Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. It, it, I could, I could, it was perfect for selfieing at Cielo Drive. Did you drive to Cielo Drive specifically for the selfie, or were you? No, I was passing by, yeah. and I was like, oh shit. And so I turned around. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't drive up there, did you? No, not up the drive. Never do that. Why? Why? I, did, I did that with my friend Rachel before she moved to L.A. She was in town scouting out apartments. She was making the classic New York to L.A. move. And this was the summer of Karina Longworth's podcast. Mm-hmm. So we were both really soaked in the Sharon Tate. Well, really just the Manson lore, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were at my house, and it was like a Sunday night, and it was like nine o'clock, and we didn't want to like go out to a bar or anything, but we were bored at home, so we like got in the car and drove to Cielo Drive. Right. And the pitch, you know, we like took Mulholland and everything, did like the the starry night mm-hmm. drive, mm-hmm. and once you get to the spot, like obviously the house has been demolished, mm-hmm. look doesn't really look anything like it does in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Or maybe it used to, but it doesn't anymore. But it just, you know, you feel like you should not be there. It right. is like, mm. a, it is a dirt road. Essentially, mm-hmm. there is a dead end. Yeah. In order to turn around, you have to do a three-point turn. Mm-hmm. So you're like three-point turning in the dark. Yeah. Like, it, it feels very disrespectful. Mm-hmm. It's like one of my biggest regrets is doing that. Yeah. I didn't want to encroach on that's any. What, that's exactly what it, That's exactly right. Who yeah. now lives there. And I was like, they probably get this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But... Spe- imagine like after, like. El Coyote is probably doing great right now right. with all the money they're making at like, the theatrical of Hollywood. Establishment. Exactly, exactly. But <laughs> then you have to think about the other side of this, yeah. which is all the people flocking to Cielo Drive who yeah. are not politely taking a selfie at the yeah. end of the road like you were. I took like 15, and then the one that was best was the first one. Nice. So I was like, I literally could have just snapped it and go. Oh, Rick fucking Dalton. <laughs> I got it in one. I love that. Mm. I, pre- I started recording. That's, we my, that's my Labor Day weekend is I was going to Cielo Drive. I was like, you know, I have no plans tonight. I'm going to listen to I'm going to save the new Lana to listen to while I drive through the Hollywood Hills and dream of someday owning a little house there. Oh, I, you know, ah, the new Lana. I feel certain that this friend does not listen to the podcast. So I will say, well. I have a friend who works in post-production, which is very lucrative in this town, and she has been playing the game and climbing in the ranks, and she recently turned down a six-figure position, um, and she was talking about, like, in the same breath of complaining about not having any money, and then be like, I think I'll probably buy a house in, like, two years, and I'm like... That is not cool. Like, (laughs) that is really not cool. That's how going to my friend's bachelorette party two weeks ago was yeah because they are all in some of them are married or they're all in long-term relationships and getting married soon and they're all like yeah we're pretty close to buying a house but do they live in los angeles no they live in which it's it's also awful but they live in san francisco oh bitch! oh how that's worse Mm -hmm. tech husbands some yeah but it's really just that 
it doesn't cost that much to feed two people compared to one person. That's true. And like you, you they live together, so they have easy rent. Right. And I imagine they're all professional as well. Mm-hmm. So not not to say that if they didn't have tech husbands, they couldn't afford houses, but it sounds like a very professional couple. Mm-hmm. So you put that money together, might mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. There's there's really something to be said for the the moving to Oklahoma model of how to change the country. <laughs> I know. We could pull, we could all get a big house. Although per Ben Ben's rules, I would have a back house in the back, so we, we would not have to share any any shared space. I was just in Michigan, and I mean, my one friend. I mean, he's a lawyer in Michigan, so he's able to buy like a really fucking nice house just for himself, mm. like three bedroom, three bath, like super nice. Because it's like two hundred thousand dollars, right? And you was know. it like a prefab house? Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, does that mean like pre? Like a housing development, like I did, like twenty no. identical houses were built. Nope, nope, nope. So it's it, like actually a distinct piece yes, of property. Yes, yes, it was. Damn. It was, and the inside was renovated. From the outside, it just looks like a normal two-story house. But then you go in, it's like really nice, beautiful. Yeah, and no, it's not not cookie cutter. God, it stands good. out on the block. Good for them. Good for them. I would like to draw everyone's attention to what I just tweeted while we were sitting oh. here. <laughs> You should tell people on the mic what you're talking about. I oh, my God. <laughs> me to my critic friends who tweet at festivals, and it's a screenshot of the Vanity Fair headline, Obama cautioned Biden about running for president. You don't have to do this, Joe. Oh Except the God. word Joe is cut off because I <laughs> muted my computer while I took the screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered what that was. Yeah, I took a took screenshot second, one but... time of Richard E. Grant pulling Nashville off the Criterion mm. Closet shelf. And it was like the, 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 the meme structure of like doctor says you have two hours, whatever, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And I didn't realize until like 45 minutes after tweeting it when it was getting some likes that the uh, like the escape bar was like hovering in the top. Because oh, I, sure. Yeah. So there was a watermark on the image. I tweeted Alana Del Rey albums ranking and Born to Die is spelled. Both to die. Both to die. Didn't to realize die. it until 48 hours I later. I thought that was a classic Kirby bit. No, it was just me being I, an idiot. I, when you said, oh, there's a typo, I looked at the list for like a good seven minutes. It's and hidden. I, I couldn't. It's like a weird I eye have to thing. I say I saw it immediately. I did not. It's, I think I some, like, some brains die. are, like, not catching it I don't something. think that anybody cared because, obviously, they knew what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. And bo- both and Born are so close on the keyboard. Like, it autocorrected, auto-corrected. Born to both. Yeah. Which, Born is a word. Excuse me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Anyway, I do think upon more listens, born to die. NFR is going to... I think it's... Pop up that list. I think it's her best album, but I'm also in the afterglow of, like, amazing new... Like... Like Sinner, Give it a couple like, months. Like Sinner Won't Hold, I still think is probably my favorite album of the year. But now that I'm actually settled into it, I am I love it just as much, but I'm less ecstatic and hyperbolic about it and more just like digging into it. Yeah. And with Norman fucking Rockwell, I feel like Ultraviolence is the album, right? But I... So, but I right but, now but I'm now, really, really high on this one. Now Norman fucking Rockwell might be the album. It really might I be. I think it's like gorgeous and sad, and I'm just floating on a lazy river of Lana this yeah. weekend. It's what's it's everyone's favorite real. track on it? Oh, I was just thinking about that on my way over. I have a boring answer, so I'll go first because I think Venice Bitch is the best song she's mm. ever recorded. Mm. Oh, actually. Yeah, because I did tweet fellow film fag, or not tweet, I texted him, uh, Mattis Bomber, that Venice Bitch is one of the best tracks she's ever recorded. So I, I would, I ha- I would have best. to say Venice yeah. Bitch is the best track on the album. Followed closely by, is it Fuck It, I Love You? Yes. Great song. Mm-hmm. 
What about you? Probably the greatest. Great track. That's third. Great track for me. Great track. That great song track. and great track. many others, but that one especially make me think of the Father John Misty album Pure Comedy from mm-hmm. a few years ago, which was all about the apocalypse, essentially. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, and just, like, doomed feelings around love and technology and connection, and it's a great album, but, like, not everyone who likes him likes that album, and the critics are generally, like, his last album, like Pitchfork, gave best new music, and it's like easily his worst album. But this one, everyone was like, eh, "It's like too Wait, long." That's, which one came between Honey Bear and that one? Pure, uh, nothing. It was Honey Bear, Pure Comedy. Oh wait, then, which one did they give best new music? The the last one, which was oh, God's Favorite Customer, right. which is a good album, but right. like, but not his. Pure Comedy is like an opus. Like it, mm-hmm. it's a vision. Like a world is in decay, and yet there are these lovely notes throughout, and it's very like personal and revealing. And this album reminds me a lot of that. I agree. It's her California's burning. Yes. Goodbye. Yeah. The song California is very personally resonant. Speak to that. And, well, I grew up in California, and I left California to become a different person, and mm-hmm. I would, did not become a different person. And then you came back. And so I came back to California. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah it's... Um, Which she kind of talks about in Fuck It, I Love You as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She does. I think Born to Die and this are sort of career touchstones i thought lust for life was gonna be that career touchstone but then this came out i mean lust for life is like a nice collection of like protest songs sure but like this is like but all her, her music- reckoning with i don't know i think there's a political undercurrent to most of her music but lust yeah. for life yeah it's a little bit more on the nose like it's a little more on the picket sign yeah whereas this it's a it's woven into it a little more subtly uh, yeah i love that guillermo del toro tweeted uh tweeted about her. I'm sure he loves like the production Uh, design of the music and how lush and enveloping it is. I mean, this album and all her music does, but this one especially has so much sonic depth to it. It's Mm -hmm. something to get lost in. Venice bitch being nearly 10 minutes long. It feels like a four minute song and unraveling into the distortion and the guitars. It's it's, unbelievable. That song. I always check the timestamp as I'm listening. Cause I'm like, it's like, and then I check, and it's like it's almost over. Mm. And it's felt like I've listened to it for... It's, it's incredible. It's all I'm really listening to right now. Venice and, Bitch. And catching up on WTL with Mark Maron. So I'm like alternating between Lana Del Rey and Mark oh, Maron. Oh, yeah, the whole Two album. people whose paths will never cross. Well... There will never be a WTF episode of Lana Del Rey, because... How fun you know, would that be? I, I, you know... Who are your guys, I'm, Lana? I'm a Mark Maron <laughs> apologist, even though I don't feel like there's... There are some things to apologize for, but on the whole, I'm like, I feel like he's on the right side of things. Yeah. But um, I have to say, I don't think he has any interest in Lana Del Rey and probably couldn't be forced to, which is a deficiency on his part. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's, let's dig into what's on everyone's mind. Joker. Just kidding. Joker. Oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm loving. I'm, I'm kidding. loving the reactions coming from us. Loving. Who's the guy who does the fake reactions and then they end up getting in the reaction roundup? That is fantastic. Oh, I, I saw that. So, so that you tweeted that's I stepped on his hand. Oh. It's uh-huh. the it's the that's the 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 reaction tweets that are like me and a bunch of critics are just roaming the streets <laughs> screaming, yeah. jumping yes. on cars. His, his reaction to Endgame was like it ended with him being like, "I killed a guy." <laughs> and it like got included in like a roundup. That Ben Meckler? Yes. Yes. He always does those mm-hmm. to see if he can get included in the critic first That's reactions. Really <laughs> and he does. I have been thinking a lot today about the idea of complaining about discourse mm-hmm. during film festivals. Let's mm-hmm. discuss. On some level, it's like a self-selected din, right? 
like we are choosing to be to follow these people. We're choosing right. to have like Twitter is not random. Yes, mm-hmm. there's an algorithm, and we will get people bumped into our timelines who mm-hmm. we don't follow. But on the whole, you are cho- you you have chosen all the people who you are who are then driving you crazy. Mm-hmm. So. We follow the people who go to TIFF. I will say... At the same say, level, there should be a level of... You shouldn't... That doesn't mean that you shouldn't critique. 100% of the tweets that have bothered me were sent to me. Yeah, sure. One, literally sure. all of them were yeah. not people I follow. I right. The ones bothering me were either quote tweeted or like being made fun of. It was Billingsley. <laughs> who is that guy? And you know what's so funny? I love I, dragging I stumbled, him. I stumbled on his letterboxed... I'm not going to drag too much, but I stumbled on his letterbox like last week and I was, and I say he has like thousands of followers. I'm like, who the fuck did this guy think he is? Mm-hmm. Like, what so, do you give Green Book? I don't remember. Probably five stars. I don't know. <laughs> I, but like, there, there's this like level of authority yeah. with it. And here's yeah. the thing: like, we speak with authority, probably an undue amount of authority on this show every single week, right? Like, it's 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 annoying, yes. and we probably aren't as smart as we think we are. But I would never pretend to have like an audience of people who are desperate to hear everything I have to Just say. Waiting. And this guy clearly waiting for the take. He clearly is. Op- I mean, and obviously this is hearsay on some level, but like he is operating as if there are throngs of folks who he are al- eager to hear his takes. Like it feels like he he thinks he's speaking from the mount. And he, it's obnoxious. He also speaks in... Um, <laughs> We're just... This podcast is ending, so we can just talk <laughs> shit on... Speaks in definitives, like... What's... Like... like Absolutes. The ba- absolutes. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to... Absolute. He speaks in absolutes and overgeneraliz- overgeneralizes. It's, to sound like... It's like when Peter Travers called Social Network Best Movie of the Decade he in was, 2010. Was he right? But, Probably. But he was right. But so. he... But he... It's... <laughs> I mean, it's not just like blur pouring, right? Like, there's now some, it's not blur pouring like he did. I think that now people, it's people are trying, and this is critics and just people on Twitter who want to be critics. But there is this impulse to put a definitive spin because on you saw it first. Yeah. Not just, but yes, yes, but also even if you're not seeing it in a festival context, it's the idea that by sending this out, I will be the signal through all the noise. And the easiest way to be a signal is to be definitive and say yeah. this is the most this movie. I mean. I think that I give right. David Ehrlich more of a break than like any of you guys or no, I do people that we. I've are... never said anything bad about David Ehrlich, but you know what? You know what? Yeah. I, I neither have I. But like, in his in when he tweets out his reviews mm-hmm. and he's like, "Midsummer is going to do for pagan ceremonies with right. psychos for showers." It's ridiculous and absurd and like not good criticism. It is another example of that. I think I actually think he's a good critic, but no, I do too. It's at least he has a platform. Like I don't know. Um, <laughs> I know anyway. a lot of people bitch about him. I, don't, I really don't know why. I just like to poke fun at him, but I still respect him. They're jealous. Yes, true. True. I'll Wig. say that. Wig. I'm tapping my nose. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. We're I, not- just, <laughs> I just followed this person so I can see his Green Book rating come up when I go to Green Book because I don't know how to find it. Oh, are you it. looking Otherwise, it up? This one guy. Yes. Billingsley. He lives in Berlin, apparently. He lives in Berlin? Mm-hmm. He probably thinks he's Christopher Isherwood. His tweet about uh, marriage, he gave it five stars and a heart. To be fair, I was just listening to the Film Comment podcast, and they essentially gave it five stars and a heart in their conversation. But a lovable, full of heart road trip story with Viggo Mortensen, Mahershala Ali giving truly fantastic performances. This will have you smiling and laughing and grinning. Wait, you say he gave this five stars? Yes. Oh, I thought you said marriage story. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, sorry. I'm I'm ready for marriage story. It's a bit cheesy, but damn it, so much fun. 
I'm in such a good mood after watching it. I really, really loved it. That's something such a wonderful film. That's something I really despise about something I really despise about Green Book is that it is on some level attempting to talk about obviously racial prejudice, Mm -hmm. persecution, feelings of being unsafe in a part of a country that belongs to you. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it wants you to leave with a smile on your face is despicable. And on a joke. Yeah. I don't remember what it was anymore. Because you don't, because none of the, none of the social import of the film sticks. Because mm-hmm. all you're thinking about is the folded up pizza yeah. and Linda Cardellini saying, "Thanks for the letters." Right, that's the that's the joke. That's the joke. Oh right, Point. she says that's it to Mar- oh my, my marriage story thing is he. I came across this tweet, which is the first time I've ever come to know him, and I I sent it to someone and was like nothing has made me want to see this movie that I'm not particularly excited for even less than this tweet. I'm excited for Marriage Story. I'm Sorry. very excited for Marriage Story. I, Sorry! I'm ready for Laura Dern to win her Oscar. It will bother me if this is what she wins an Oscar for. But you haven't seen the movie I yet. haven't, but... You don't know what it's going to be. I don't. Yeah. But I've I, seen I Noah Baumbach's other I movies. I didn't know that you disliked Noah Baumbach movies so much. I dislike Noah Baumbach. The person, because uh-huh. of the choices he's made in his personal you life. You like uh-huh. Francis Ha. I do like Francis He also Hodge. likes Francis McDormand, who, who slapped him in the street, Punched right? him. Punched him in the street. It was a closed fist punch. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like pretty much all of his movies. I don't like I, Margo at the Wedding nearly as much as some people do. I like all of his movies except Greenberg. Oh, I love Greenberg. I think Greenberg's a disgusting I like, film. I like Greenberg. <laughs> I like the... The I'm an asshole movies? No, I like the Greta movies. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Yes. I Mistress like America. I like it. I, I, I like it. I like it. I'm excited for Marriage Story. I don't really like any of the movies that she's not in. I mean, I thought Margot was pretty good. I think Squid and the Whale has aged very well. Dude, Squid and the yes. Whale is great. I, yeah, I think it's a really great film. I, I think I don't like it because I don't like what the, the people are. I don't like... Like what they're doing or who yeah, these like, people are? Like... Because they, they're behaving... All of them are behaving pretty despicable. I know, and way. I... It, it's... So I, I can't watch Jeff Daniels. Because really? he's such an asshole? Because I find him so despicable, and I find him so arrogant and full of himself, mm. and that's what that character that's is. That's the character. But so. I hate Jeff Daniels so much, it affects my... And I don't really like Laura Linney that much. Sorry. <gasps> oh, my God. The podcast is ending, and we're like, saying shit. Like, like, I don't like Laura Linney. Those, oh, my God. Those are two I actors I just Lenny. find. Thank you horrible to watch because I don't like them oh like as god. people oh my god well, so that's Brandon, why you don't like the savages yeah Brandon hmm. when the podcast is over we can watch you can count on me at my house just the two of us and we can that movie's just fine for me what <laughs> you've seen it right yeah I don't remember it though <laughs> I saw it in college. She, one of the best films. I mean, and now, she's and now good I'm in it. I was just dragging she's up doing definitive statements, but that is one of the best films about siblings ever. Ever. Have you seen Fleabag? I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, true. Oh, I didn't say it was the best. I said it's one of the best. <laughs> Fleabag is cinema. I'm not your mm-hmm. friend. I'm your sister. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I just stabbed myself Who's in the heart. In charge this week. Not me, because I, I, I just did it. Me. I, I just did it did last it. week. What what did you do? I did it last week. What did I do? I don't know. I, don't know. I did one recently. You did it last no, week. No, I think I did it last week. Get out of here. Daniel hasn't done it in months. <laughs> ben, you do it. <laughs> I'll do the last episode. We all do the last episode. We have to come up with a script so we can all say it at the same time. It'll be like, I'll be like, 
a coral. Welcome to, and then like me and Ben Unison say another, and then oh, episode like when 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 of. when four person families do yes. do the answering machine. Yes. Hi, you've reached the. That sounds awful. Johnsons. <laughs> Sounds awful. Well, I'm joking. Please I know, leave but I'm just a message after the a... bark. You got to get the dog involved. <laughs> what dog? Do we have a dog? No, the the the, the four person family oh. that also has a dog. Yeah, no. Spots remember the family. Sure. Leave a message after the roof. <laughs> after that. <laughs> Oh no! I hate it. Did I ever do? Did I ever do my best joke on this podcast? Um, I about don't know the, about the cat call. Let's hear it. Um. What does a cat call sound like? <laughs> ring, ring. Meow. You've done that joke 8,000 times. I have not heard it. <laughs> Where did I hear it then? I don't know. I mean, I've been saying that joke for 10 years. Oh, Great. God. I ring, ring, that. meow. Ring, ring, meow. Where's Linda speaking of? She's probably on the chair in my bedroom. <laughs> She's like, that is not what it sounds like when I talk on the telephone. <laughs> um, on Friday, you're I got home from work early because it was summer Friday and it's the weekend. The final summer it's the Friday. Holiday. Yes, it was. And as I was opening the door, she popped up and like still half asleep and looked out the window and it looked like she was like, This bitch is home early. Like, <laughs> fuck. Get rid of him. Huh? I love how cat like how different cats behave with humans being in the house during mm-hmm. the daytime. Mm-hmm. Like now that I'm working from home working for a different festival, like when I wrapped out fest, there was a period between where I would just be home during the day. And mom, she was like, what? Yeah. But when like 11 o'clock rolled around, like she would walk into whatever room I was in and just like kind of look at me Mm -hmm. like, what is this? Mm -hmm. What's going on? And then like 30 (laughs) minutes later, she'd be in my lap and not move for an hour. Mm -hmm. It's like a combination of loneliness and confusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did my cat do when I came home from a trip? She screamed at me and followed me around and I picked her up and then cradled her for a minute, put her down and then she went to bed. (laughs) She just needs acknowledgement and then she can go Mm -hmm. away. I'm right here. <laughs> she follows you around until not food, not water. That's my ideal relationship. It's just like a minute of being held and then we retire to our separate corners. <laughs> she is good. you. And that's it. Okay, shut up. <laughs> um, so this segue is the penultimate episode of Movies I Am Up. Oh my God. We are a movie what? podcast. What? What? Movies and TV. Where we talk about (laughs) the movie of the week. (laughs) Or as the description on iTunes says, movies or TV of the week. We have not had one TV TV. episode. Well, I can't wait for people to pop into our ads and uh, mention us and say, you did Twin Peaks. We also, oh, bitch. We also did Twin Peaks a year after it aired. <laughs> oh, that was iconic. That was a serve. Yeah. <laughs> that was a serve. Mm-hmm. And we'll be talking about, I mean, not on the podcast, but we will be talking about Twin Peaks, the return once more in the fall. In, end of the decade list. Oh, sure. Oh, are we coming back for a special? No, no, I'm not saying that we on the podcast will, but the but world the will be in discussion. There will be the discourse. Yeah. I wonder mm-hmm. if people will put it on their lists. I feel like I believe that they will. Yeah. They absolutely will. People Nick Pinkerton can't will. help themselves. Who will? Nick Pinkerton. Sure. It's on mine. Same. It's on mine. I don't remember where I'm So is OJ Made in America. I'm nice. so jealous of that pick. I have to find room for it. I needed a doc in there. Agnes is also in there though. For Fasas Plasas or Fasas nice. Plasas. Nice. 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 We are your three favorite film fags. My name <laughs> for is... the penultimate time. My name is Ben MP. I'm Daniel Crook. Brandon Kirby. 
And today, we are here. And spot. And spot. And We are here today to discuss cinema. Hell yeah. At its finest. Let me interject real quick. I am debating whether to include the second season of what we're talking about on my best of the year list. Nice. Which. As cinema? As cinema. Which is like, you know, annoying. That but, I'm actually going to say Ben's no. But to Ben's point, that's how I consider it. I think it's fair. I think, as Amy Taupin put the Nick, her number one film of the year, both years it was on. I think we are. We can rules, do whatever we want. The rules are out. Survey says Nick. All of Fleabag is shorter than Santanago. Santantango. Satan Tango. Satan Tango. <laughs> Yes. So I'm putting it on the name yeah. list. Do it. I think. Good for you. It's also like a weird year to make lists. Like I mm-hmm. love the movies that are on my 10 right now and I feel very secure about my top five. Mm-hmm. But as we go into the fall, like yes, we have your uncut gems and your marriage torch. I mean, we have the festival movies right now to look mm-hmm. for. We have Judy to look forward to. Judy. Judy. But I when feel, does that come out? I End feel of the like, September 20th. I feel like this is going to be mm. a top heavy year. Yeah, I agree. I'm I think, definitely I think most of my favorites less were probably excited about the rest the back of the end. Which I love. What a relief. I know. I know. I, what yeah. a fucking relief. Like it is so it is so genuinely stressful during Toronto mm-hmm. when all the reactions are flooding in yeah. and you're realizing like what's gonna be an Oscar contender? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna have to what probably won't get a release until twenty twenty? Yeah. And I don't really care because I'm very full on the movies I've already seen this year, and yeah. I'll I'll take whatever I can get. The only one I'm really, really, really excited is just I'm just Little waiting Women. for Parasite. Oh yeah, Parasite. and Little Women, yeah. Parasite, Little Women. I mean, Ad Astra, sure. Well, but we'll I, see that in a couple weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, things are coming, but like things I'm act- plenty, really excited for. Plenty Parasite. to be excited about, but I don't know. I'm excited, like legit, looking forward to The Irishman. Yes, of course. There are big End things. End of list. I there think. are big things yeah. to look forward to, but mm-hmm. it's it's just oh the Malik. I find it. it yeah. I find it relieving to go into the fall, not feeling like I have to brace. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The only reaction I was like really bracing for impact was Joker. Joker, but only because the discourse was coming. I am looking forward to seeing Joker only in that I hope it is just like so cut and dry, like simple, like, oh, that's what this movie is. Mm-hmm. Because every critic right now, like out of Vanessa, is like, it's both a powerful piece of storytelling and a deeply deranged and dangerous piece of political art. Mm. And I'm like, it's I can not going to be well, that. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't really offer an edict one way or the other, but like, I would just love it if it's so much simpler than that. Yeah. yeah. It's just cut and dry yeah. comic book movie. <laughs> like, yeah. It's going to be a, a dark comic book movie. People, it's going to be a it remake like, of The King of It sounds like V for Vendetta. Like the, the um, way that people are talking about how some folks are going to take this film's premise and run with it in mm-hmm. a dangerous direction. Mm-hmm. Like, because V for Vendetta is like very online as well mm-hmm. in that sort of 4chan way. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. I will say I was, I, I, I had a, I had an earnest. People are going to get beheaded. Like, yes. You know, people are going to be raving in the street. I had an I just saw Joker. Joker. Fuck yeah. I had an earnest conversation with a friend the other day about Joker, and I was like, "I'll be honest, like I'm kind of looking forward to it." I am a king. Of, am. A king of comedy structure around mm-hmm. the Joker's origin. Like, yeah. you could move in a lot lazier directions than mm-hmm. this, and I'm excited to see. I got to work with De Niro. Okay. True. I not this is a grown up movie. I got to work with De Niro. Mark. I'm excited to see Mark Maron and Joker. Oh, was that the back end of his 
Yeah. Taking he's down been, he's been superhero talking, he's movies. He's been talking about it for months on the podcast. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm in this Joker movie. I don't know very much about it, but I get to work with Robert De Niro. I love Bob De Niro. Growing up, I would see these movies. I would go to the local art house theater in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> it is so insane. What is this? Who is this guy? Oh, Mark. <laughs> mm. I get to act with him. I, I love that whenever Todd Haynes comes up, he's like, Mm, that guy. He's like, whoa. He's like, you gotta reckon with yeah, those. Yeah, he's like, those are movies. And he's talking to Patricia Clarkson. I know. And he's just like, how was that? Well, so he he, uh, he had he had Dennis Quaid on recently too. Oh, really? And for both of them, he's like, far from heaven. Wow, what a movie. He, he's like, that was, you know, that was Todd Haynes trying to do Douglas Sirk. And they're like, yes, we know. <laughs> but I love that like safe is the one that breaks him. Yes. He's, he's like, what is that movie? He doesn't, what? he doesn't get it. He's like, I watched it, and I was like, I know this is good. I like this, but what is this movie? What's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> Who is this guy? Patricia Clarkson, winner of the New York Film Critics Circle Best Supporting Actress 2002. Far From Heaven. Mm-hmm. For Far From Heaven? For being a racist, being the racist busybody neighbor. What's her name again? I don't remember. It's a, It's Mona. It's like Is a it classic, Mona? classic, like Queen Bee mm, in the Suburbs, Mona. 1950s racist name. Mona. Mm. Mona. Mona. Mm. Well, so we're here to talk right, about so Fleabag. <laughs> Say it again, sorry. Fleabag. Fleabag. Starring the titular Fleabag. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. They never oh. say Fleabag the whole series. No. It's just her name is Fleabag. They also never say the dad's name. No. They and never godmother. say the godmother's name. Mm-hmm. Cla. But Cla. we hear Claire's name 8,000 uh-huh. times. Every three seconds. Cla. Cla. If you hover Cla. on Amazon, the guy that she's seeing all through the first season is just arsehole guy. <laughs> I love how people don't have names. And priest is priest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the one guy is... Uh, tooth? Rat tooth. <laughs> just <laughs> something like tooth. that. Oh, it's just beautiful. What and then show. and then it's almost revealed what the name is, but then Godmother doesn't remember Father's yes. name. Yes, which is a great, great gag. Season two is Such very meta in the best you ways. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's the good. Season two, yeah. and also season one, but especially season two, impresses me in the way that it applies sort of a standard like joke, or like a mm-hmm. sitcom-y joke structure on top of what appears to be not verite, but like very real yep. people, very real situations, mm-hmm. very real problems. Mm-hmm. The fact that they can weave in like a good joke, like mm-hmm. I, almost like a 30 rock level zinger. Yeah. In the middle of such like a difficult scene. It's like, I haven't farted in three years <laughs> <laughs> when they go to see their mom's grave. That cold, the cold open of the episode when she's just jogging, she's like, Turns the camera, jogging. <laughs> so good. It's so hard to do well. What she's doing? No. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, that's true. But uh, like the the quick flashback to does to it, make a joke. Does it's it also brilliantly. it's frankly that it that is it. canceled. No one can yeah. do that. It's over. We've it's seen impossible it. Impossible to do. And well. somehow she's still able to really pull. Uh-huh. It off. And her quick flashbacks of sad things mm-hmm. too. The yes. constant flashbacks to to Boo. Which are more consistent in season two than I remember the first time yeah, I watched. Yeah, I, I thought that too. I and just, they're quicker. I think mm-hmm. the editing is really sharp on this show. Across it's incredible. The board. I mean, but for, for, is, for mm-hmm. comic and tragedy weeks. And in the first season, when she's jacking it to Barack Obama, uh, 
and her boyfriend Harry, yeah. right? Harry's like, "What were you watching?" Like, well, you, I know what you were doing. And she's like, I was watching the news. That's like, when my mom turned it off. Oh, really? That's well, when, when she's jacking it to Barack it Obama. To Barack Obama. I just but, recommended but, but, it to my parents, so they hope, when, I hope they watch. When she's, he's like, what was he talking about? She's like, um, uh, whatever. And then. Cut like, to. No, no, he gets out of bed. Rock. He's, he's like crying. <laughs> <laughs> like he gets out of bed and delete, like leave the room. They're going to break up. And he's like, he was talking about democratic cut. <laughs> <laughs> so the bad. editing is insane when she goes and surprises him <laughs> with the knife with the knife and he's so scared and he starts crying <laughs> and heaving <laughs> that's the hardest i think i've laughed in this show but just the reveal of what she's doing because like i think maybe because i hadn't seen it in a few years and like season two is fresher in my mind mm-hmm. when she gets back to the house and realizes that they have a new rule where they're going to surprise each other once a day, which mm-hmm. is like lame. It's so lame. It's so perfect. She realizes like he's made a surprise dinner and she's like, fuck, I forgot this surprise. What am I going to do? And so like in season two, <laughs> she like runs out and gets like the statue after she breaks the award. And like, mm-hmm. you think she's going to like leave the house and like go get something. <laughs> she just puts on a fucking mask and grabs a knife. <laughs> she goes into the... Like the, the, the reveal, like the shot of her like going into the bathroom with the knife. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Oh, Harry. <laughs> oh, Harry. Oh. I think he's underrated. He's I actually think, the, and, 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 and this is not me being like an MRA or anything, but I think the men are consistently underrated, mm. the, the performers on this show. I mean, they're Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, the asshole Claire's guy. What's his name? Douglas? I, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. What is the actor's name? Well, the act. Oh, what is that? But he's great. And he's he's so good in season two, just playing a despicable piece of shit Mm -hmm. the whole time. Mm. And his final moment when Clat breaks up with him. Is Claire's name pronounced Sean? I think it's Sean Clifford. That's what I thought. S I A N. Mm. Yeah, Brett Brett Gelman is good on this show, who plays Martin, the husband. Martin, Uh, that's his name. Mm. Okay. Priest, Harry, arsehole guy. It's good. Boo. I think Sean Clifford's going to win the Emmy. Over do you? Who, who, I do. who is she against? She's against uh, the mother from Mrs. Maisel. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Else. I think it's between Sean Clifford and Olivia Coleman. And Olivia, yeah, of course. And Olivia Coleman is great. And Are they in supporting? They uh-huh. don't need to give it to Olivia Coleman because she's going to win Best Actress two years in a row. But isn't it just going to be? Isn't it just going to be Alex though, Borstein again? It could be. It could be Alex Borstein. But no He's one great. likes Maisel this. No, like literally, it has no. Heat. Well, it got really? twenty Emmy nominations. I, I take well, your, I take your point. They took over the town. Then. That's true. They were buying <laughs> votes all across town. I, I take your point. Being top five is not. I'm going to vote for this person. I know, I hear you. But everyone loves Alex Borstein, and they she's do. and she's a veteran, this not is not true. not of war of yeah. a different kind. I of heard war. if anything's Industry. upsetting this year, it's Barry. Like I heard Barry could win Best Comedy over Veep. I could see that. Or Maisel. I think Maisel. I mean, well, they're both incumbents. Yes. Because Veep wasn't up last year, so it didn't lose to Maisel. Yeah. So we're in a weird place where there can be like the two previous winners are it's very nominated. Excited. It's an exciting time to be alive. It really in this is. Industry. It really is. Fleabag. I think, Fleabag. I think, I think Sean's going to win. I think that Fleabag is a sleeper hit for comedy, but it's not going to win. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to... Th- th- if they were to release the totals, I think you would see a strong showing for Fleabag. Yeah. I all think... it takes for Sean Clifford is, is uh, submitting the right episode. Yeah. And which one is it? Literally any of them. <laughs> She's... Uh, it's... I wonder if it's the hair one. I think it's the haircut one. Because it's the, it's the most slapstick. I, but I act, my, my take on that is that as funny as that is... 
the haircut is doing the work. more work there. Mm-hmm. Not that Sean Clifford doesn't sell it. She's sad. I, it, would be, it would be episode three. It would be the award it's episode. It's the award episode. I agree. I would probably submit the dinner scene. I mean, you could submit the dinner scene for literally. I know. Literally and that's going to win best writing in a comedy. The I think, period. The I first, first watched that episode three times this year, Ugh. and every single time I am totally enthralled by it. The mm-hmm. first minute of that where she's catching us up uh-huh. on what she's been. Mm-hmm. So you can try, cut. You can try, cut. And again, editing comes back mm-hmm. up. Yeah. But it's just in in what, a minute. I think it's literally a minute. Mm-hmm. You you are caught up to speed. Yeah. What's been going on? It's uh, it's unbelievable. What I love it's about unbelievable. the pace of the editing is it just reinforces what an auteur project this is because mm-hmm. you really feel like you are in her keen, sharp perspective and that mm-hmm. she is able to process 10 different moments in a minute. For Did you guys know that the one-woman show, Fleabag, that mm-hmm. this is based on has been filmed and will be like a fathom event? So I have had no, no idea. Like I haven't done any research on that show, so I just know that it existed and that's how yeah. this all began. Same. But I don't know what the format of it is. I, I don't know either. But I will say in the first episode, like in the pilot episode, there are a lot of elements where you could see her delivering that by herself yeah. to someone on stage who is not responding like to her. Like the literal opening of, do you ever yes. get is. a text from a guy in the middle of the night and you get dressed and all that? Like that also, is an opening monologue. I didn't know that was reprised, reprised in and season two. Yes. Which episode moment? seven. When she's about to meet the lawyer who fucks. Oh yeah, and then she's misogynist like, guy. Misog- I think his hot name misogynist because in- <laughs> I watched it with subtitles, and yeah. his name is hot misogynist. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, "Have you ever blah 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 blah?" And it's the same format when mm. she's about to meet with yeah. him because I mean, it's the only actors. time in season two when she's having a random hookup. Yeah, yeah, because that would always happen. She would always do that, you know, for a random. I think anyway. there are many lovely echoes between the two seasons. There are, mm-hmm. and that watching them back to back really yeah, what it's about? It. Sure. Oh yeah, what's Fleabag about? Fleabag it's about a bag of fleas. It's about, oh, it's, about, it's about Janet McTeer oh. doing extermination <gasps> in the Albert Knobs Hotel, collecting it's up a, a bag of fleas. It's fleas. Look at me like a flea. It's a flea. Did you hear, did you listen to Screen Talk this week? No. Oh, no. But last week, it was when quite Anne a was mad. Yeah. The whole episode. But uh, she's like, come on, Eric. <laughs> About what? Good. Everything. Everything. She literally just shut down everything. He okay, said the but whole quick, episode. can I can I can I interject uh-huh. here? That she said the most savage, scathing thing she has ever said to Eric Cohen on that podcast, which is when here, he's, let's he's like, it. I actually got a chance recently to see Marriage Story, and and Anne cuts him off and goes, it's because, it's because Netflix knew that you would do exactly what you needed them to do. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. Yeah, there Holy were so shit. many. Yeah, but on the last, she's like, they're using you. On and, the most you recent think it's one, they're talking about the Tell You Ride. Yeah, uh, I'll listen to it probably after this. Just episode. came out, and you know, here are the movies, and they're talking about Judy, and they're like, it's just, it's exciting to see Renee again, even though we don't know if the movie is going to be any good. And Anne is like, well, it's, I don't know what distributor it is, I don't remember, but it's one of the. It's little like ones. Bleecker Street or something. It's not that, but. She's just like, when they have something good, they do well with awards, like that incredible Glenn Close movie, Albert Knobs. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. She said incredible. Uh-huh. She dumped out that enthusiasm. I know. It's Roadside. Roadside. There we go. Like that incredible. I was going to say open road, so I was close. I think close. that I think that Albert Knobs is probably synonymous to folks in the in- like who are like that deep in the industry with Glenn Close because yeah. she worked so hard right. to bring that to the screen. For, 
40 years. That they whatever. will, they all love Glenn Close. They're mm-hmm. not going to, sh- I mean, we all love Glenn it's Close true. so much that we are willing to tell her when her projects are bad, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I think that a lot of folks just, like, the passion project that Glenn was working for yeah. decades. And when you're of that been. age group, you're not thinking of it the way that we are, I think. You know what yeah. I realized the other day? I gotta be on my one year anniversary of getting stoned and going to the Glendale Limley to see the wife. The wife. It was when we, it was the day, well, I saw it and we recorded the day I got back from TIFF. So, oh, so a little, so you're, a little bit. It's in just a about, week-ish. Yeah. I don't know how soon before the episode. I will never forget, I'm wearing a Casey Musgraves tank top and short mm. shorts and I'm, you know, I'm a little high and I'm walking into the theater and these two old Limley matinee seniors turn to me as if I'm the usher and they're like, where are our seats? Or like, I talk, I said the story on the, I don't remember quite what it was, yeah. except for, excuse me, they, Mr. Musgraves. I'm like, look what I'm wearing. Like, look at, <laughs> they thought that was your name. Yeah. Mr. Musgraves. <laughs> Mr. Casey. Excuse me. Okay. Fleabag. Okay. Yeah. A young woman named Fleabag who, did you know that's actually, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's nickname that she gets called by her family. Oh, really? Fleabag? I got that in Cute. Amazon Prime Trivia. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love when those things pop up. No, they weren't popping up. It was when I was downloading the episodes for my plane ride. I uh, scrolled to the bottom because I was bored. Oh, can you download off Amazon? Fuck yeah. For offline viewing? Hell yeah. I didn't know that. Good now to you know. know. Good to know. Amazon can Venmo us $10,000, yeah. a drop in the bucket as far as they're concerned. True. It's true. That's anyway, what's literally it Literally... Jeff Bezos makes that in a fraction of a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can literally give us a million dollars, and he'd be and like, "Jeffy, he wouldn't know." Let's just one second. Okay, yeah, he just made ten thousand, uh, so he can venmo right. that directly to us. Send it right on <laughs> over. At movies, I, am, I think I said this on the last episode or pre- once we announced we were ending it, but we really should have made a Venmo account, just like at movies IMO. Uh. On the off chance oh, of like one person Venmo would us, actually Venmo like us, and and then label their thing as like. When you Anchor requested Steam. this yes. for Anchor Steam. Anchor Steam. Anchor Steam. Yeah, we can we can we could have sent Venmo requests Anchor to Steam. Anchor Steam. We could Thanks have. for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we could have charged Anchor Steam. That was like every in, week. That was in earnest a dream of mine uh, that we could get Anchor Steam to sponsor mm-hmm. this fucking podcast. 50 episodes ago. I know. And then you gave up. I, another dream shattered, ruined, deflected. Cast, cast All right, so for the last two episodes we're going to make a, a Venmo. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'll do it right Venmo now. us. <laughs> At Movies I Am. Uh, Listeners, Venmo us the millions of dollars we're owed. Yes. To all of our non-sponsor sponsors. <laughs> Fleabag is about <laughs> a young woman named Fleabag who is fucking her way through grief and... Been there. No. Oh. I mean, I haven't. Well. Well. <laughs> well. Maybe. Wait, keep in mind, this episode debuts tomorrow, so there's no time to cut anything. It's true. I didn't say anything. No, I know, but I'm now I'm thinking. Did we no, say anything we had to I, I wanted to say earlier in the episode when we sat down to talk, we we have to go into this conversation an hour into the conversation, knowing that anything that is said is on the record. It's true. After we talked a lot of shit on random film critics online. I'm fine with everything Yeah, that whatever. I said, I'm fine, you know? too. It's all... I feel like I was honest. Can you edit it's all on the record. every word I've said? Yeah. Thank you. It's all on the record. I can and I will. <laughs> Thank you. I spent all this 
What's Fleabag about? <laughs> She's fucking her way through her grief. She is running a... A cafe. Uh, a cafe. Guinea that pig is, themed. That no one goes to. And she's in season one. In season one, she. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give two scenarios. Sure, because they are. Two, they're pretty different. Yes, which I love. Mm-hmm. They are. They're basically like two, three-hour movies. That's yeah. growth, babe. They are. Um, That's growth, babe. And her interactions with her family, and we come to learn. Should I spoil? Yes. In this, we're about to spoil Fleabag. We're gonna have to talk about it. If you haven't seen Fleabag, you just got 43 minutes of free content. Please stop listening. Come back once you've watched Fleabag. It will take you hours. It will take you an afternoon. No, it's 288 minutes. So I added it up. It's only 70 minutes shorter than, or 70 minutes longer than The Irishman. Yeah. Enjoy. It is less than five hours. That's a long, lazy Sunday afternoon. Okay. You're back. We, We learn that one of what she's depressed about, what the flashbacks are about. So we know very early that her friend Boo, who she opened the cafe with, has accidentally killed herself by trying to make her boyfriend mad. She was going to try to get hurt and go into the hospital. She was going to try and get hit by a bike. She wanted to get hit by a bike, and what happened is she f- she was flung by the bike and died, and three people died, as we learned in the pilot. And Phoebe says she's an asshole or something. She's a she's a jerk. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we learned that the reason that, or we we know that the boyfriend cheated on Boo, but we learned it was with Fleabag. And meanwhile, she's grappling with the death of her mother. She's grappling with uh, this strange relationship with her very successful sister. This strange relationship with the fact that her father and her godmother are now in a relationship. And how all of those things fuck up a person that's slightly mentally ill. She's getting grief from two sides. Mm -hmm. Two sides. So then season two Mm. is about... Everything's great. By the end of season one, she's estranged from her family, basically. Uh She hasn't seen them in... Because Claire thinks... Claire... Claire, So Claire's... Well, actually, you're in charge. Claire thinks that her... That Phoebe tried to kiss her husband on her birthday, but what happened is the husband tried to kiss Phoebe. Who is a misogynist, mm-hmm. alcoholic louse. That no and, one... And, and, and wannabe Lothario. Yes. So then season two opens. It's 371 days later, I think the title mm-hmm. card says. It says down to <laughs> the seconds. Yes. Um, <laughs> and godmother and dad are finally getting married, so it's the it's the engagement dinner. And the most riveting piece of television I've seen in it's years. It's the first time that she has been with her family. The The cafe is now thriving. She just like puts to bed a lot of the things that happen in season one. The, did we mention, you did say that she's like fucking her way through her grief. Uh-huh. And so, so she's not doing that she's, anymore. The, the, the grief fucking has ended. I love in, I the quick, in the quick recap, the first minute she's, and tried this, and she says no to... Fuck up the ass guy. Yes. Yes. Which mm-hmm. is so funny. Good, Good call. And she back. runs away. Yeah, she, yeah. Literally, she literally runs, runs away. She's like, no. Not doing that anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love in season one, anytime any family member's like, how do you know him? She turns the camera and says, fuck me up the ass. Fuck me up the ass. Fuck me up. And that one time <laughs> she le- says legend- it to class. Legendarily, <laughs> my, my father's favorite joke in the series. Uh. Fuck me up the ass. Oh, oh man, and 
I guess we should say she does direct address to the camera. Yes. Provides. We are her Besides, friend and confidant. Yes, we are her only friend. As she, when she goes to therapy in to season Fiona two, Shaw. and she says she doesn't have any but friends, man, I, and I she's have like, very well, forearms. I have very dry forearms. I feel for her. I feel for her. Very dry. We think Kristen Scott Thomas is going to win the Emmy, right? I Absolutely do. for guest. Yeah, I think she's her speech Emmy. really got to me on the second oh, watch. Really? What, what's your favorite period film? Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> just like her speaking about like people of all we got flirt yeah it, and then her having to reject fleabags so coming out you know what her. i think is the most astute observation of fleabags writing in the whole series let's is, hear it is when kristen scott, scott thomas says that women are born with pain in their yes. bodies yep that monologue and is men is are not and that's why they have to play war and that is why that's Phoebe Waller-Bridge is mm-hmm. the perfect scribe for the mm-hmm. new James Bond movie. Ah, oh, that would be so good. Like, I love knowing going into it that, like, her perspective on this. And she's been very clear about her perspective on James Bond. And mm-hmm. it's something that she and Daniel Craig both agree mm-hmm. on, which is that he's a misogynist piece of shit. Right. You know? So it'll be fascinating. It'll to be really this. fun. Yeah. Wait, she's writing it? Did you not know that? No. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is writing No Time to Die. That's why the I just f- got actual chills. Mm. Yeah, the future Holy is Phoebe. shit. Your best film of 2020. <laughs> it's already here. It's I did not know. Yeah. She's just her she's writing I believe it. she's writing it with someone else, maybe I'm sure. two other people, yeah. but she will But be, she her Phoebe voice Wall- is in it. She's Phoebe fucking Waller-Bridge. She's mm-hmm. the one in charge. Holy shit. Well, unless she pisses off the broccolis. I don't think the broccolis can afford to make an enemy of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Well, I I'd, I'd like to hope that. Because I actually think Who's that, directing I No think, Time to Die? He's gone through remember. like 80 directors. Uh, isn't it Sam Mendes again? It's Fukunaga. Oh, wow. I thought he jumped. Well, he's the credited. Back. Jumped like in GoldenEye off the damn dam. He is currently credited. Guess he's back. Okay. Uh, so here's my hot take. The public has lost interest in James Bond. The man playing James Bond has lost interest in playing James Bond. Yeah. And it has been dwarfed by a baker's dozen of other franchises, namely those all owned by Disney, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think the Broccoli's are in the position of power that they were in even a decade ago. I think that, I think they brought Phoebe Waller-Bridge on because they needed this movie to pop. Well, if these writing credits are the, the way that it's credited in the movie, mm-hmm. she did just the fourth pass of an already existing script. Great. Uh, there's Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. I've kn- I know those. I names. forget who those people are, but their names. Um, are so they've done the other James Bond movies of late. Well, that makes sense. Um, and then Scott Z. Burns. I like that. Rewrote it, and then I like Scott Z. Burns. And then Fukunaga rewrote it. Okay. And then Phoebe. I hope that the process of Scott Z. Burns writing is still in there because I think he's one of the best process writers. I'm have. sure it was like, which is why I'm excited for. The I'm report. sure each person is doing a specific thing. Yes. Phoebe is making it work. Phoebe's probably punching the whole thing up. I, yeah. I, I think it's it's got to be punch up, yes, but I think there's probably more. I'm sure that, that they asked her to bring something yeah. else to it, to the table too. A little of her, just yeah. her I voice. Like, I don't think she's just script doctoring. Right? No, if no, she no, was no, script no, doctoring, no. she wouldn't get credit. You also have to wonder, like, if they handed her a very scattered piece of writing right. that felt like it had gone through three different screenwriters. Right. And I believe that she has the ability to nip and tuck that thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's possible. Okay. Because she's such a sharp writer. There's no fat. Yeah, There's is. no fat on her script. Perfect. No. The fact that episode four of season two includes an entire funeral flashback within a 24 whatever minute yeah. episode yep. is 
And it feels so full. With its own distinct it's joke structure. Minutes. The 24 joke about minutes. how hot she looks at her mother's funeral. Uh, she's not wearing any yeah. makeup. She, it's that's, an as, that's an SNL bit built, mm-hmm. like, baked in. Here's the thing. The final conversation she has with her dad at the wedding in the last episode of the series could be intended as a flashback or as, as a mirroring of their conversation at the end of season one right. by the car. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so in this way, she doesn't even need the conversation between Fleabag and her father in the funeral sequence. Right. But she actually like deepens that that callback in the writing because it yeah. actually recalls that conversation a lot more mm-hmm. than it does mm-hmm. the one at the end of season one. Mm-hmm. You're right, and yeah. it would still be beautifully like poetic in the in the parallel of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's great. It's great writing, and uh, and, and the way Alex Garnashelli, in the words of Alex Garnashelli, great cooking. It's just great cooking. Uh, what a film! <laughs> can you can? Oh well, I'm sure the future is Phoebe is online. That piece. yes, uh, I, need to, I need to read it. Future is Phoebe. Have you read it? I didn't read it, I but I saw it. the magazine. It's a beautiful cover. It is. Absolutely stunning. What else? I wanna, I'm gonna buy it. Wanna say? How much does a single THR cost? That's probably like six dollars. I will buy it. Okay, talk about season two. What's the plot? Oh, you haven't talked about <laughs> plot of I'm season gonna, two. I'm going to pee while you're doing this because I've been interrupting. So don't even just go the for it. The plot. Right. Of so season we're not two. editing this. No, 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 no. Is they're at the dinner and there's a priest. There's gonna officiate. Episode a one. Priest. Episode one ends with Claire turning to Fleabag and saying, "The priest, the priest is, is hot. hot," and she's like, "I know." And then she looks out the window, and then she snaps to camera, mm. and we're back in it, baby, baby. It's so good. And it is about Fleabag falling in love with a priest mm-hmm. and wanting to fuck the priest, as she says right at the end of the teaser of the first episode. This is a love story. Yeah, and then it goes oh, <laughs> that coral. Mm-hmm. Score in yeah. season two is just oh, some epic. of the best. Epic. They bring back like the season one theme, yeah. but like the addition of the mm-hmm. choral whatever. I believe they're saying the word flea bag occasionally. Holy shit! I noticed really? that on this watch. I was like, I think they're actually saying flea bag sometimes, and I, <laughs> but I don't know what any of the other words are. So that's funny. She's estranged from everyone, and she's coming back into the fold, and they're resolving old tensions, and they we are. Uh, Learning to forgive, mm-hmm. learning to heal in this season. It's really beautiful. It's really quite beautiful. And, and we're about learning love being painful. We're learning to really oh, go and get with, um, what am I trying to say? Who? That we're learning to grapple with why Fleabag is the way that she is on like a deeper level than just the grief that she's experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like who she is as a person and why... It's all so hard for her. Which she expresses beautifully in the monologue and the confessional. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Emmy clip, even though she's in... Comedy. Comedy. Against Julie Louis-Dreyfus. But... Right. That, I would assume that that's the episode they'll give. Is that four? That's four. Because that's they, they don't that's fuck four. till five. Yeah. Three is my favorite episode of season two. It's probably my favorite... No, the fir- the first episode is my favorite episode of the series, and then th- season two, episode three, is probably my second favorite. My favorite not to discount probably. the impact of the first season, which mm-hmm. is extraordinary as well. I just really like um, when she goes over to the priest's place and he's like in loungewear, mm-hmm. and then they go to the backyard. He talks about yeah. the fox, mm-hmm. and then he- that's the first time he notices that she goes to camera, uh-huh. or whatever he's seen in the reality he of sees the- her. 
he literally mm-hmm. sees her like mm-hmm. for who she and which is like well the you know, second time we'll get to that the second time but. around is really when I realized how similar the two characters are mm. like yeah in, especially in the first episode like the hot priest is essentially behaving as the flea bag mm. of that dinner table until mm-hmm. it goes on like with the inappropriate comments and the right. fact that he's like getting kind of irresponsibly hammered yeah and like not and ba- she's silent the whole time exactly exactly mm-hmm. and, and the reason is like why don't say you say something. say something say something but what i love just really quick what i love about this that outdoor scene where the with the fox is that andrew scott like has seems gay seems gay yeah. <laughs> right right you caught it well it's because he plays drunk so well in that season and he plays the like the giddiness mm-hmm. of his intoxication just seems a little of his gay. being tipsy is his being gay he's gay and it he's just, gay and he's it just hot. turns me on so bad same <laughs> Yeah, me too. Hot priest. <laughs> it bruises me. Oh, God. And then Hot when the priest. next episode, she's talking about arm, neck, uh, arm. And then she accidentally Knuckle said brush. His, she says, his beautiful She neck. says it his to beautiful him. beautiful neck. And she says to camera the wrong thing. The thing that she meant to say mm-hmm, to him, to whatever him. it was. Which, I mean, even that small yeah. of a detail is just. That she's breaking down. That she's not who Her she shield yes. is. I think that. The direct address and the flashback structure are very hacky. Like, just not not in this show, but sure. if you think about in it. In general. If you are writing a show that includes direct address mm-hmm. and a fla- a, like a, like a, uh, a 30 Rock flashback yeah. joke structure, mm-hmm. it's hacky, it's been done, yep. and it is a miracle that she is able, able to make it work, and it's because it is tied so directly into the psychology of the character mm-hmm. yeah. down to the way that it falters in season two, when, yeah. when, when the device Starts becomes breaking unstable. breaking down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's a mir- yeah it's a miracle she's able to do it and it's because she's able to tie it into the character so well. Yeah. I looked up uh, the directing credits because I wasn't sure and someone directed the pilot, and then someone else directed every other episode, including season two. I believe David Fincher directed the first episode and then yes, yeah, that's right. And someone else did every other one. <laughs> it's actually the director of uh, Paramount Pictures Action Point, starring Johnny Knoxville. Oh, yeah, Wait, Action what? Point. Um, and then I don't. There was no. I don't know what the other guy did because I was on Wikipedia and I couldn't link through to his name. There was nothing that they had. They don't have an article on him. Well, it's over. I know. So when there is, I I should have been taking notes. Me too. There's. It was hard for me doing this. There's an ep- a conversation, I think in episode two of the first season where... Someone presses her. She's doing her jokey shtick as in she therapy? does. No, in of season one. Oh, okay, sorry. And um, then and that person presses her to be like real, vulnerable, intimate, whatever. And the camera then goes to a reaction shot that's a just like just slightly off balance. Is it the breakup with Harry? Oh, maybe it is. It might be the final breakup with Harry. No, because I don't think they're like at dinner. They're they've set up dinner at the at the apartment, but at the flat. But it might not be what you're thinking of. I'm remembering it being at the cafe, but I don't know. I really don't know. Is I it the is it the guy who gives her money for the cafe, the loan or whatever? I don't know. The business guy. I don't know. But I'm just just to say that there are very subtle like shifts in the subjective reality of like it's 
in this very traditional comedy uh, camera work, and like the framework is very classical for this era, but then there are these touches of we are now like really in Phoebe's head. I would include yeah. the silent retreat episode in that category mm. because obviously she's talking throughout the whole thing, mm-hmm. but in those group scenes and when she's cutting the grass with a pair of scissors <laughs> or scrubbing the floor with mm-hmm. like a little rag or whatever, um, the way that she's framed in it like highlights the absurdity of it and mm-hmm. her, the way that she views it as absurd. Yes. The way that she's foregrounded. It's a, they're strange shots. Yes. And I love them. Mm-hmm. I just love that about the show. Yeah. And I wonder if that is Phoebe or if it is this director or how much she I'm sure spoke on the visual style of it. I think yeah. cons- I don't considering know. the credit order where she gets the written by and starring as the first. Mm-hmm. It's her concept is based on her show. Whenever she sold this to the BBC, I am sure that she I'm sure that some she's level of the showrunner. That's, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. So she's got to have some, even if she's not the one li- like literally framing those shots, setting yeah. them up and lighting them, mm-hmm. I think that she is in, intimately involved in the visual yeah. scheme of it as yeah. well. Yeah. Sure. I, I think, think, I think, I mean, she's I would the producer ass- on the show. Yeah. I would so assume sure the directors the or a hired hand are the hired. Yeah. They're for hire. And she tells, she is the eye, but she, which is not to diminish their work. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, especially in season two, episode one, especially in terms of performance, you can't direct your own performance. No, like it's impossible. So, she is relying on this other person right. for that. And I can't imagine she's so hands-on that she would supersede her director right. and say, no, Sean, do it this way. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's a very uh, acting-forward show, which I love. Yes. Because it, it could be very... Like, the jokes can be broad, but it always feels grounded in the reality that we are in. Mm-hmm. Like when she farts in the elevator in uh-huh. season two. I mean, then, that's that such one, a broad uh-huh. bit. Cla- I mean, it's Clara's a fart like, I know joke. people in this building. And then someone gets in. She's like, oh, hi. And then you see the woman. She's like sniffing. She's like, what is that smell? It smells delicious. <laughs> she's what like, this that? lovely. Yeah. I she's mean, holding the canapes. Uh-huh. It's just, and then, and then classic bit of like slipping the, the award uh, and shattering. Unbelievably funny. Like the, the that t- was the, the first time, time I saw that. I laughed so The hard. timing is atypical. <laughs> oh, this is though. heavy. <laughs> but it's like, she doesn't waste the time in the hands of a lesser filmmaker. Mm-hmm. You would pick it up, admire it. Yes. Get distracted. Oh no, it's gone. She literally, like, she opens Within the box. Within the second. You see the award for, like, three seconds total. She picks it up and it immediately slips out of her hand. It was heavy. It shatters it. A million pieces. And of the glass. through line of the, the model, the sculpture. The, the sculpture. Yes, it's brilliant. My, maybe my favorite thing about it. It's the bigger whole, in the, season two, I think. It is, but it's Season it's, one, it's, it's season a big one, deal. It's, like, it's a big deal throughout the whole No, I don't thing. mean it's Brett a big Gellman deal. I mean, it is to... physically. Oh, I agree. It is a I think larger it's, I think statue. It's a different statue. Because oh, I was really? like, I was I watching so it too. in such quick succession, I was like, I noticed too. Oh, yeah. Like, she couldn't have shoved that in her crotch to steal it at the size it is in season two. It's physically impossible. Probably because in season two, it needs to look like an award. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. I was like, oh, it's bigger now. <laughs> it's bigger. Well, it morphed with its purpose, okay. I guess. I hope that all those people out there who, and I'm not breaking any ground here, and if anything, I'm like being performatively feminist in this moment, but all those folks who are like, who think in earnest, like, you know, we should probably create an award at the Critics' Choice or at the Golden Globes for Best Female Director. Because mm. if we want to reach... Have people talked about that? Oh, yeah. Because like, if we want to reach parity, 
then we need to make sure, like, let's demand it. Mm-hmm. Let's create another award where you have to have like five to six women like in that, which is an absurd idea. Mm-hmm. And I just love the way that she distills it as the children's table. Yeah. In the mm-hmm. Kristen Scott Thomas monologue. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just think that's it. Like it's, it says everything about Phoebe Waller-Bridge's wit. Yeah. And like the, the brevity of it. Like she, she, it's what makes the joke so funny when she's cutting down Martin and ends it yeah. with Weeky. Weeky. Ah, mm. uh, because that's she, good. Because, that's she, because she's, it's actually one of her best skills yeah. as a writer and as a performer, but especially as a writer, like mm-hmm. to break down an, an argument in one quick joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, so speaking of her talent and being able to do those quick address, that when she's building up the insults, oh, and she oh, keeps wiki. she keeps going back to camera to be like, oh, this is going so well. And then back and forth, What's back and forth, back and forth. the one that she just forth. repeats the word? Oh, it, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember. She's just like, it's like, I mean, it's not the word inscrutable, but she's, it, I think it, it is an in word and inscrutable <laughs> to camera. It's something oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And then she repeats then, that the word. She, Cause she's uh, so impressed oh, yeah. by the word she, that she came up with the word. <laughs> yes. See, I should have been taking notes. Weaky. And then, and then she ends she, it on weaky. And then when he comes, he expects, like, you're such a strongie. <laughs> Ah, oh, he's so despicable, but uh, he's so. Here's good. the thing about Weeki. It's actually pretty good. You Weeki. If someone called me a Weeki, that would break me down. <laughs> that would devastate. That me. would probably break me too. Yeah, to be perfectly a honest. A Weeki. I know my favorite line from the whole series. Let's hear it. It's when the father. It's the f- season two finale, probably mm-hmm. the series finale. I'm if sure. we're being honest, because I mean, she walks away. She leaves the, the narrator the behind. She yeah, says not the narrator. Yeah. She says goodbye to the the viewer. Mm-hmm. Um. Until the Fleabag movie with oh. no direct address. Oh my god! Wow. Uh, it's like a Stephen Frears like, like kitchen sink oh. era drama. <laughs> um, it's when imagine? the dad and Fleabag are in the attic, and then he says, "I think you know how to love better than any of us. That's why you find it all so painful." So oh good. yeah. And then she and does she... the direct address. I don't find it painful. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's a very Norman Lear thing, is to like let the emotion land and then you tell the joke anyway. Do a bit, uh-huh. yeah. Do do the joke, uh-huh. yeah. It's good. That's good. Oh, uh, I love when Claire takes her hairpiece off. In oh the yeah, finale, and then puts and it on the chair and leaves <laughs> to go be with Claire. To be with Claire. Uh, Claire too. Claire uh, my too. one critique of the double Claire joke is I wish that male Claire's name was spelled C L A E S. Oh, because and it, it was sounds the exact same. That's funny. I think that's a better joke. I that's like funny. when Fleabag I may says, be so bold. says bye to Claire. She she goes, bye Claire, bye Claire. And then she turns to the director dress, bye Claire. Bye Claire. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, let's just keep repeating things we like about it. I mean, yeah, let's. that's like, I kind of knew that we were going to do that. I and I don't have a problem with that. I mean, we're just gushing at this point. I said, spectacular. I said the one camera thing that I. No, yeah, you, you. I, like. I think I said something about something. Oh, the other scene I like. I took a, I took a few notes. Good for about you. season two. Overachiever yeah. in the last days. Wow. <laughs> um, someone's someone's trying to raise that C minus average to a B minus. Uh, you know what I'm saying? What the? F- I had a oh. C minus. No, in this? I'm saying when you show up at the end, like at the end of the semester, and you're like, "Oh fuck, I have to put in some work." Uh-huh. I'm not saying you've been putting in the work, but because it's the last two episodes. Our dear friend, um, I can't remember her name, Fiona Lee. You're not even looking at me anymore. Fiona Lee, from What's Prep, that? 
when she oh, had oh, to, oh, 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 sorry, oh. I just, I, I haven't read the book in five years. I'm sorry. <laughs> Who's that? But she has to raise her grade from C minus to B minus. Anyway. Ah! Book, crap. Um, is it about prep school? It is. No, it's about Truvada. I wondered if it was about Truvada. Okay. Anytime I had that book out in front of a gay person, they're like, like, what is it about Truvada? Did they really? Yes. As I, a joke. I think one of the best <laughs> things about gay people is our communal sense of wit. Mm-hmm. And I think that just really exemplifies that. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, Fiona Shaw in the therapy scene, mm. which you Emmy want nominated. Fuck, you want to yeah. fuck God. Huh? She wants to fuck God. Oh, yeah. And then, and then Fleabag's like, can you fuck God? She's like, oh, yeah. You can oh, fuck yeah. God. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but when she says, you already know what you're going to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which I, I, I think is so powerful. I mean, that's... I mean, then, my therapist has said that to me. Again. And then and, and that's so real. Like, you already know and what it's you're going to do. It's a real, it's a strong analysis, you mm-hmm. know, and it's something to consider. And it's something and, and, we and, refuse to believe no, I know. as so, humans. So, exactly. So, you it lands with, we're now going to sit with what we just heard for five seconds. We'll get a, or even longer, we're going to get a long reaction shot on her. She's going to grab her purse and be like, I, I have to go. But instead, we do a smash cut to her volunteering at the church fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And it turns like, into a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And she's like, shut up. Shut up. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. It's just great. It, but that's it's sort of what you just said, Ben. It's, it's the emotion. Uh-huh. Give it a beat. Joke. Mm-hmm. And always it always ends on a joke. Mm-hmm. Even And it doesn't undercut the reality of. Not no, at all. What, it bolsters it. Yeah. Even, even the end of the series ends on a joke. I mean, her turning back to wave to camera, that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, it ends with the Alabama Shake song, too. It does. Right. Which I didn't love the first time I saw it. Same. But when I watched season one, it, it's been, like, when did that drop? Three years ago? 2016. I didn't, I had not seen, I had not rewatched that. So this is my first time watching this in summation, straight <laughs> forward to end. And I'm like, oh, Daniel, cut this thing a fucking break. It's a series finale. They're allowed to like play Sia at the end of Six Feet Under. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. it's totally appropriate. Right. Yeah. And it's very, I feel like I've said this 20,000 times in the episode, but it's also in earnest in a way that is disarming mm-hmm. and um, signals a growth for the character, I think, who is so cynical and who cannot take anything seriously. And yeah. then Phoebe Waller-Bridge allows her to have a song that's wearing its heart on its sleeve as she walks away. And then she very tenderly says goodbye to the audience. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think that's brave. Mm-hmm. I think that's brave. It ends with her saying, I love you to someone. Yes. Which, yeah, it's it, Fleabag season two. She learns how to be vulnerable mm-hmm. again. Right. Mm-hmm. I also think, and I'm not <sighs> sure I want to spend too much time on this if even just like past this comment, but I also think the God stuff in season two is fantastic. Like in, in really trenchant and thought provoking mm-hmm. and dark, rich, layered, complicated. Mm-hmm. And I know that I've already heard someone make this comparison. So I unfortunately cannot make it myself, but I, it really does have the themes of, Ber- of a Bergman movie. Oh. The idea of like a somewhat disturbed young woman who falls in love with a priest mm-hmm. who is also having a complicated relationship with his faith and the mm-hmm. idea of where God intervenes like the 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 portraits continuing to fall in the church, which is a great gag, is straight out of the Virgin Spring, mm-hmm. like with, with with the spring erupting like at yeah. the very end. It's like it, I, I think it's like you, you you can look at that stuff very, um, you can look at it. It's in a somewhat separate dialogue, but the idea of like a divine plan, the idea of intervention, the idea of what is and is not permissible, mm-hmm. and in that specific context, yeah. is, is very dark, rich, layered, and complicated for me in a Bergman tradition. 
Was Andrew Scott not nominated? No. This mm. is sort of what I was saying. Like, I did this. Sad. This, I'm not trying to be, you know, a men's rights activist or say that the men, it's unfair or right. whatever. But like Andrew Scott should have been nominated. Mm-hmm. He I think is. the dad is quietly devastating and extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I think Harry's great in season one. Mm-hmm. So. And his one scene in season two when he talks about giving birth. Yes. Uh-huh. His, <laughs> As his if he gave birth. birth. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, I do have postpartum depression. <laughs> I do. But we're working and through it. And she's like, oh, okay. Um, Can I say something a little controversial? Yeah, please. I love it when you do that. Get it out. We've only got one more episode. Oh, my God. I thought season one was great, not like the amazing, amazing, amazing thing that everyone else thought it was. Like it's like a solid four out of five to me. That's still very still good. today. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Still oh. today. I mean, season one. I I agree. I don't. I I mean, season one. I thought I did think it was great at mm-hmm. the time. Rewatching it, it bumped up for me knowing season two mm-hmm. exists. Mm-hmm. But season two is just season it really, two is note it, for note flawless. I get it that. It really is on another plane. Mm-hmm. I get I that. So. I think I think season one is it's like a, a warm up, a four and a half. I think the sex exhibition episode and the way that it is the culmination of this continual escalation with mm-hmm. her relationships. Yeah, I would give season one four and a half. Is is pretty extraordinary stuff. And then season five. And I mean, and season also two, season five. one is. Dark, rich, layered, complicated in a different way than season two, like around mm-hmm. her relationships with everybody around her. Like in yeah. season two, she's learned to make peace with all of them. Mm-hmm. And in season one, like Godmother is still really getting to her. Mm-hmm. And she feel, she feels betrayed by her father much more than she and Claire do in season two. Right. Um, I think that season one is so much more looking in. And yeah. then season two is about Fleabag trying to look out. Yeah. And mm-hmm. trying to reach out for a connection. Because, you know, she, she makes plenty of connections in the first season, but they're yeah. not really about connecting with another person or taking, having a complete sense of self. Mm -hmm. It's all about distraction. And in season two, she's sort of transcended that and is trying really hard to finish herself so she can reach out. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. And I mean, season two couldn't be as good as it is without season one. Exactly. exactly. Because it builds and subverts things. I mean, season one, like we get the catch up at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but it is telling a. It, it is certainly not parallel. It's like basically like a perpendicular story because there are plenty. Of, it crosses with the thematic and the character work in mm-hmm. the first season, but you frankly don't need to have seen the first season to watch the second season. And I did not realize how much I forgot of the first season until rewatching yeah. it. And I loved season two, and I watched it for the first time earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I felt the I did same not way. realize how much context I was missing. Same. You know, it totally yeah. works on its own. Yeah. So um, I think that it is deepened in relationship to season one, yeah. but, but it almost doesn't need it. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because when I watched season two the first time, I don't really remember season one. Yeah. I, like, season forgotten who Harry was. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot who Harry was. Me too. I forgot who Tooth Guy was. Oh, oh I remember Tooth Arsehole guy. guy. I remembered Arsehole Guy because he seems gay and he's hot. Well, that's the joke, The right? joke is that, is he's, that gay. he's gay. And it, which I love because it, it's not mocking him. It's he says to uh, Fleabag in bed, like, you know, I don't usually like like many women, and she's like, "Yeah, that's why I like you." She like she mm-hmm. knows that she's fucking a gay guy, mm-hmm. but he's hot. I mean, he's hot. Well, I never and made that connection that he yeah. might be gay. She's like, that's "This why is... he likes her small tits." Yeah, and he always turns her around, and he uh... loves the the wall of phalluses. He's mm-hmm. like, is it, is it weird? he says, that's his like... mouth is watering at the wall of dicks. At the wall of dicks. Oh. <laughs> I, just, I love that detail about. I forgot about that. I love that detail about Fleabag and that like 
she would she's loving having sex with this gay uh-huh. guy because he require he ultimately re- re- will require nothing of her mm-hmm. and she doesn't have to actually try and connect with this person mm-hmm. like a gay guy who's Relatable. willing to fuck you as a woman is probably the best possible sexual partner she could have in that moment wait and then at the end when he's like i'm seeing someone is it meant to be no he that? says it's, it's a, a guy. woman yeah. oh he does say it's a woman i know okay. and when i was watching this time i was like wait does he say it's well, a guy well he, he, he also could be bi but sure. i but I don't think the show is trying to say that that person is like a great love. It's just sort of making a punchline of the whole thing and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, expressing another form of casual indifference that Fleabag is being treated oh, to. I love their profound chat in the bath. And <laughs> she's like, he's like, do you ever feel lonely? She's like, well, yeah, of course. And like, do you? Do you? No, no. She's, she's like, how, when did you know you were really hot? And he's like, well, I kind of figured around nine and then 11 <laughs> shit got real. And which started being weird. <laughs> That's a good line. Which is so true, by the way. Uh-huh. Like, do you remember like being, since we're gay, we were paying attention to our peers when mm. we were growing up. Like the people who were like irresponsibly hot at like 12 years old. Yeah. yeah. And now they've grown up to be like almost 30 and they're Still. stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it's a development of yeah. everything. There are everything. Like four people I can name off the top of my head. Yeah, like the yeah. hot 12-year-olds who are like, what the fuck? Yeah, huh? who like I remember I remember being like 16 and doing the high school musical mm. of The Sound of Music and all of the- Who'd vo- you play? I played Friedrich. Von nice. And all of I think the, I knew that. Actually. All of the like women, like Maria, the other Von Trapps who are around my age and a little bit older, maybe a year younger, all had a crush on Kurt, who was like 11 years old. Mm. They wanted to- Kurt. <laughs> like they wouldn't say it was a crush, yeah. but like they were they were in love with him. Yeah. Oh my god. Getting Randy for a They were getting Kurt. Randy. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Phoebe is a water sign. Yeah, and she sure left a big mess for Jean Dillman to clean up uh, with that award broken into a uh, bunch of pieces of glass, right, Brandon? Thank you. Yes. You did right. it. You did it. Well, and when, and when, when she makes the one woman eat the, not make, but she doesn't clarify that it's shellfish and then she barfs. That's so good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think there's a deeper conversation to be had about similarities between Fleabag and Jean Dielman around like routine oh. and sense of security around self-defined borders. Mm. Even though Chantal Ackerman had said like it wasn't so much about her creating this routine as much as it was being trapped in the routine that was expected of her, mm-hmm. I believe is what Ackerman said about it. And but that's sort of true about Fleabag too. And when yeah. I mean when the priest for the first time when you realize the priest is breaking into her sort of borders yes. with the mm-hmm. when he sees her speaking to the audience or whatever that is in her reality. I mean it it, it is I gasped a lot yeah. the first time that Same. happened. I was like that uh, it's unbel- it's unbelievable. It's And the first time it happens he doesn't look in the camera, but by the second time it happens, he looks he into looks, the camera. When they're in the cafe, he's like, stop doing that. And he uh-huh. looks at us, and which is know, so jarring. As a two shot, it feels so striking and like revolutionary. And it's literally just two people looking into a camera. Mm-hmm. And that the joke is not like that we're being seen. Like, I, it's just, it goes to show what a specific context she built through this show that by him looking into the camera, it feels jarring. Yeah. It means her him looking into the camera is him seeing her... Without exactly. her walls. Exactly. Which is It's not the same thing terrifying. as like Jim in the office looking at the camera and then like Phyllis in the background like would look at the camera yeah. or whatever. That doesn't, that's not what I'm talking about right. at all. It's what you're saying, Brandon, and how it's tied to her identity. It's tied to her reality yeah. and her, yeah. Yes. And in the Jean Dielman comparison, it's as shocking as when she first drops a brush. Drops a brush. Yeah. It is as, because there's a certain 
cinematic language that we are expecting and it mm-hmm. is broken. Great yeah. point. Pretty drastically. Great point. Yeah. Oh my god, when he first looks at us. What a what a film. Woof. Uh, woof. I wish he would look at me all the time. God, Jesus, he's look so into hot. my he's eyes. So hot. Andrew I love Scott. that he's gay in real life. So you, you know. just picture him fucking men. Uh, or getting fucked by them. True. Mm. Again, nothing will be cut from this episode. Yeah, so that's fine. We can all we can be happy to imagine <laughs> I'm just that. Joking. That was that, that was my way of Andrew not Scott fucks men, that, that, that was, and I would like to see it. That was my way of not continuing what you were saying because I knew I would regret whatever came out oh, of mouth. Great. How are we on time? We're almost there. Are we yeah. done? Yeah, if we do up. like a ten minute wrap up, we'll hit our time. Great. <laughs> this is Great. what it's become. We're like, all right, Gary, what do we got? I will say I can't. There, I have no like joke. I have no context for it, but I love, I love the hot priests fear of foxes mm. and it just makes me think about how it's so poignant like, the hot yeah we can talk about what the fox represents but we don't have to i would like to hear your thoughts on it well first i just want to say that the hot priest is scared of the fox and the fantastic mr fox is scared of the wolf yes yes i thought about fantastic mr fox when the fox stuff came and if up. you want oh. to qualify andrew scott as a cub then there's a relationship between the wolf and the wolf cub. Wow. I, mean, I found the connection while wow. I was saying it. I mean, whatever the wolf, the fox represents in Fleabag, I haven't thought about that deeply. I just know it's like there and it's a thing. It's the same way I think about the wolf in Fantastic Mr. Mr. Fox. Yeah. I, I compare those two. I'm totally freeballing here because I don't haven't given this much thought, so this could come out terribly in, in like a lot of faux profundity, but... I think that it's very telling in what the fox represents. That's not a great way to start a sentence. The fact that the fox follows the hot priest at the end, mm-hmm. even post flea bag, goes to a sort of existential paranoia or crisis or like fear of like, like I said, like the guilt we carry around or like the, the, the version of ourself that we're scared is going to catch up to us or whatever. But I think it's even after this element has been resolved with Fleabag, that like he is still constantly going to be outrunning this fox, mm. which is probably why he sought the priesthood in a way. Not mm-hmm. because of the literal fox, but because of this shadow self mm-hmm. or this predator mm-hmm. that is constantly at your back. So yeah. that that's, as, that's as much as I've got. <laughs> no, I like that. That he'll always be who he is. Yes. She will always be who she exactly is. Exactly right. That's interesting. And the, and the fear that you are constantly... You, you, Trying you, to run you, away. You may outrun that thing, mm-hmm. but it's going to catch up to you again and again and again, uh-huh. which makes me think of Lana Del Rey. Oh. <gasps> she goes to California and then finds that she brought herself with her. Wow. So good. We are threading so many needles today. Wow. <laughs> mm, love to thread. I just like when uh, Fleabag's like, he went that way. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. And he goes, the fox goes. Goes to find him. I will say, and maybe we can now move on to the finale, unless you guys want to keep talking about Fleabag, because I'll talk about Fleabag for as long as we want. But in that wonderful exchange that Brandon posted on Twitter, which Thank is you. one of the most you know, what quietly you devastating and smart things that happens oh. on this season, which is when she tells the hot priest that she loves him. He's mm-hmm. like, it'll pass. Mm-hmm. And then it's so important that when he walks away, he's like, I love you too, mm-hmm. and then leaves. But you know, for those of you who have expressed sadness about the podcast ending because you love listening to it just know that it will pass and other podcasts will come along (laughs) it's true oh yes 
And we love you too. And we and, and exactly right. And we love you too. We are the finale of Fleabag. We are. We are. So in a way, we are the hot priests. Wow. <gasps> of the podcast. Congratulations. Wow. Congratulations to you. Congratulations <laughs> to you. Congratulations to me. To all of us. We did it. We did it. We, we did are it. the hot priests. And this has been another episode of Movies IMO. Oh my God, the penultimate. You can find us on Twitter at Movies IMO. You can follow us on iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. And it doesn't matter anymore, but you can still do those things. And, uh, tell us. What's your favorite episode of Fleabag? What's your favorite episode of Fleabag? Do you love Claire? Do you have a sister that's just like Claire? Yeah, that's, this is honestly where I wish like we had uh, a woman who has a sister as a regular member of the team here. Mm-hmm. Because that's like maybe the best thing about the entire yes. show is the relationship between Claire and Fleabag. Yes. Oh, yeah. But it's a relationship. I mean, I have a sister, but it's not the same thing. I'm, I'm dying to I'm dying. To I, have, I have that relationship with my sister. Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, and you tweeted about that or something. I was thinking about that on this rewatch. But I'm, I'm very curious to hear some speech around that. Because I have thoughts, but who gives a shit? <laughs> Just that my sister's very successful and I resent her for it. (laughs) (laughs) And I've always been the messy child. I love that. Because we're only a year apart, so we were always very close. And we... uh, Do you attend feminist lectures together? No, but we attend concerts together. So there you go. So we attend things together. Yeah. We spend a lot of time together and it's not always harmonious. Are you always trying to take the piss? That that has sort of ended as we've aged, mm-hmm. but there was a time, yes. Yeah. There was a time. There was a time. There was a time. I find it very nostalgic watching this show about when I lived in England, because mm-hmm. there are a few references in this show that are so distinctly of that milieu, England. like Boots, the pharmacy. There's like a number of Boots jokes mm. in the second Oh, season, yeah. What? I never caught on boot, to boot, what boots those are. Boots is a writing, essentially. Mm. Oh. So she's like, where have you been? Like, Boots, lovely this time of year. Or like it's I Oh That's what that joke is. I never funny. knew. It made me miss boots. That's funny. That's funny. I never knew. I was I like, what it. is boots? I, I was like, oh that must be a city. Yeah. I was like, boots that's, England. That's funny. But like Leeds. Yeah. Bath. I was like, I boots. I buy it. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That is really good. Has anyone seen the Door of the Explorer movie yet? Speaking of boots? No, but I would love to. Is boots in it? Yes. Is it a real monkey? No, it's CGI monkey. But is it like trying to be photorealist or No. Oh, he's I got pretty it. cartoony then looking. I got to see it. I got. They're to not see doing it. the Lion King thing. Door in the Lost City of Gold. He's pretty cartoony. Explorers are middle lane. Is it literally? I don't know, but I think that's the title. Literally. Actually, her middle name is the. True. Oh, bitch. <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, you can't say that one. My name is Ben MP. You can find me on Twitter at Real Haynes. I'm Daniel Crook. You can find me on Twitter at Daniel Crook with three O's, and I directed Joker. Oh. Oh, Can't fuck. wait for you all to see it. Oh, great. You said your wrong Twitter handle. Oh, shit. <gasps> At Todd Haynes Vivo. Oh I was God. suspended from oh real God. Todd Haynes. Oh, my God. Are you guys going to take movies out, IMO out of your bios like pretty soon after the podcast ends? Or? Nah, I'll leave it forever. Forever? Yeah, oh, my God. Cares. We can't. Oh, my God. We have so 100 so episodes so for so people sweet. to enjoy. It's true. They'll always be online until, yeah. unless we stop paying for a server. And I think that, like, I do think that there are certainly, I mean, I'm not listening to the back catalog ever, so I don't have proof of this, but I'm sure that there are episodes where we're, like, making jokes around a meme that was happening at the time that are now without context. But I do think, for the most part, these probably stand up. So if you haven't seen all the movies and you you want new episodes, you have a lot of new episodes to you and a lot of new movies to you. Yeah, if you've never seen The Post. And if you've Uh, never seen, like, Cape... 
that was a fun episode. If we went seen, like, out of our minds. If you haven't seen, like, oh, Spielberg always makes us go crazy. So maybe the next Spielberg movie uh, will do a <laughs> special edition in our final episode. Yeah. We'll lose our minds. That's I right. can't wait to reveal what we're doing for the final episode. Anyway, Brandon, sorry. Oh, yeah, with um, Brandon Kirby, BK Kirby. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> next, next week in the hundredth and final ah! episode of Movies IMO. We will be talking about three movies that we should have seen by now. We will each be picking a movie that we feel we should have seen by now. Uh Uh-huh. Do I need to describe that any further? Is that clear? I would say that this is a final opportunity for us to do what we've been doing throughout the entire podcast, which is when there's a movie that we feel like could be germane to a conversation that one of us hasn't seen, it's like, oh, let's throw that in there because Mm -hmm. I can finally check Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans or something like that Mm -hmm. off the list. Mm -hmm. So... This is like our last excuse. This is our last excuse and our last, you know, opportunity. Yes. To fill in a <clears throat> blind spot, mm-hmm. fellow film fag Jorge Molina. We missed the podcast. <laughs> to fill in a blind spot. Mm-hmm. So those films are. Do we each want to introduce? Well, we can ours, say them, do you yeah. want me? Yeah. yeah okay. Say each what we're bringing. Say what you're bringing. I. I forget what you're bringing. No, I know what I'm bringing, but I'm trying to think of how I'm going to phrase this. I, I'm choosing a film from a controversial filmmaker because I forgot. Because I what is he? What am is the he? most willing to be controversial on the mic. We're doing Roman Polanski's test. Oh no, we're not. But I haven't seen that, and I do feel like I should have seen it by now. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing Dancer in the Dark. Yes! Oh. I forgot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Yes, Gaga. Why yes, is that so controversial? Oh. I said the director is controversial. I didn't say the film was. Oh, sure. but yeah. And we're getting in our Catherine Deneuve homework for The Truth, which we will not be covering uh, on the podcast. Are those related? Catherine Deneuve's in The Truth. Oh. Oh, I mean, Catherine Deneuve is in, in Dance with the Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good I, movie. I am doing a movie that has been in the discourse lately. I have seen the first 25 minutes of this movie, but it was after a night that we were all at Akbar together a long time ago. So I was drinking. drinking Busy drinking. And it was late, and I thought I could finish the whole movie at 2 in the morning. It didn't happen. So I'm going to finally see Alan J. Pakula's Clute, starring yes. Jane Fonda. Hell and of yeah. course, you would recognize um, Jane Fonda's Oscar speech, winning Best Actress for Clute. Mm. You'll hear it in a couple minutes. Mm. It is the outro for our podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing Clute. Mm. I don't have a blurb for mine. I mean, just riff. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't come in with a blurb. Neither did I. <laughs> uh, I'm doing. My, my blurb was I got drunk one night and tried to watch Clute. I'm just going to say the reason I'm selecting this film is because we always get the most loopy when we do. This director's pictures. Mm. So I we've already know, said. I don't think I know what you're doing. Oh, oh, I really? It's on the spreadsheet. Have you not been remember. checking the spreadsheet? You two. Now that we're done with the spreadsheet, <laughs> y'all use the spreadsheet a lot more than I do. Let's let's let's. Oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna tweet out our favorite parts oh. of the spreadsheet. And yeah, and I also because there's some good jokes in. The I should spreadsheet. say. I should say now. Um, I'm going to put together a spreadsheet of every single movie we have discussed on the podcast. Not. I don't. And I'm not including like an aside about, you know, Steven Spielberg's duel or anything. But anything that was homework, will be on a big spreadsheet. And so I'm gonna count I've, up how many movies we've talked about and tweet that out. I've counted them. Okay. Well, do you just want to spoil it then? How many have we talked about? 
You should do another countdown. Okay, I'll do we'll, another countdown. We'll, we'll compare notes offline. But okay, I've I'm I've done a rough because in the early she, episodes it was questionable like what five was homework. homeworks. Well, anything that is in an episode description, mm-hmm. and we didn't have episode descriptions for the first ten, so mm-hmm. I will use the spreadsheet for that. But I'll, I will make a big list and I will do it chronologically. Okay, and may, let's compare notes, okay? Because I have a number, but yours is probably going to be more accurate. And I we're remember for the, the post, we were all just like, "Watch the Spielbergs you feel like watching." But I think I in the episode description I mentioned everything that we talked oh, about. Okay, great. But yes, oh. that was fun because that Christmas I just watched, I rewatched Lincoln, my favorite mm-hmm. movie of all time. How dare you, sir? And I watched Duel for the first time. Ah, Duel. Which is a great film. I didn't anyway, what are, you, what are you, what are you? Jada Smith, great show. That what? Is a great show. <laughs> Wait, what do you do? Oh, Jada Pinkett Smith. In the pool. In the pool, giving her five show. binge-worthy shows. <laughs> my great favorite show. video. If you film of like the year. psychological horror with a little bit of horror. <laughs> That's your joint. I said that wrong, but I got it mostly right. What what show was that about? That was about the haunting of Hill House. Oh. Yeah, her number two most binge worthy show. Oh. Not in any order. We're not gonna to, we're not gonna get to talk about the Lizzie Moss Shirley Jackson movie. No, we won't. Directed by Josephine Ducker. Yeah, rip. Lots of movies we won't. We're not gonna talk to about. Ad Astra is the one that like we're closest to talking about. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a bummer. Right? That would have been Joker. Joker. <sighs> No Joker episode. I actually feel like that would have been an awful podcast. Mm. Now, now that we're beginning to see some of the... Like, that's a discourse. I, I always hated doing discourse episodes. Mm-hmm. But we survived the Tarantino. We did. Mm-hmm. By having our own conversation, I guess. All right, yeah. Brandon, which movie are you bringing? I am doing AI, Artificial Intelligence. Hell yeah. Directed by just, Steven Spielberg. Now available on Netflix. Let's wait for Gigolo Joe. Masterpiece. you got a lot to look forward I to. I can't wait. You're going to love it. It's going to crush you. It's a beautiful film. It's going mean, to crush everything that these you are, <laughs> This is a strong crop of films we've it got is. for next week. These are all five-star films. I mean, I, not, I don't know the one that I've seen, but... AI is a five-star film. It's the, it's the Dancer in the your Dark. Your two are five-star films for me. <laughs> the 30 Minutes or whatever I saw of Clued is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So, I'm Have excited. you seen Dancer in the Dark? No. I have not. Dancer in the Dark, well, I'll talk about it on the pod. But it's a five-star film. All right, well, bye. <laughs> do we have anything else? Well, do we have anything else we want to say? No. Any other, any other housekeeping, John Dealman? John Dealman, I was going to say. <laughs> um, I think we're just going to all retire to our yellow armchairs and grit mm. our teeth and, and sit and quietly. Embrace for the unknown. Yeah, I love that. Sit in quiet contemplation. Yeah, I'll sit in quiet with my cat. I need folks. to have quiet <laughs> contemplation sure. of had a weekend. You have. You need. To Brandon stay. just got back from a wedding. Can I tell you one quick? We've got time. One quick anecdote. It's the middle yes. of the afternoon. You can. So, at this wedding, it was I went to the wedding of a high school friend mm-hmm. who I was in love with in high school, mm-hmm. and I guess the bit maintains. I thought it was still just in my head, but someone from high school, a friend, mutual friend of mine and his, walks up and he's like, you know. Apart from Aaron Miller's family, you are the person here who's loved him the longest. <gasps> oh, 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 that's good. Was oh, he wow. marrying a man or a woman? A woman. Oh, bummer. No. But apparently groomsmen and his party were like still making gay jokes to him. Up to the bitter end. How do you feel about that? Was it in good humor or was it No, it was probably gross? it was probably pretty gross and despicable. I hate that. I'm glad I'm glad you're back. <laughs> Although the footage of you in that tuba is legendary. Iconic. Thank you. That was a very An artist in full bloom. I received that video while <laughs> taking selfies at Yellow Drive. 
full circle oh, moment. That was really good. It was special. Oh, yeah, that's how we swung the tube around in college. <laughs> I love when you like, yeah, you swing it down and back. You're like, oh, I still got it. I still got it. Yeah, because what you're supposed to do is go all the way up, but I, I would have hit the ceiling. Hit the ceiling. And made a big sound. So Where'd the tuba come from? Yeah. So, Someone just had a tuba. Yeah. No, so His wedding. So they shut down streets in Detroit to do a parade from the church the venue. Oh, yeah. Okay. From the church venue to the reception venue. Okay. And my friend who's a tuba player brought a sousaphone from the high school he teaches at to play tuba for the okay. procession. And so you were there drunk was a tuba. And- Oh, one last thing I wanted to say about Fleabag that I forgot. When I first watched season two, I thought G&T in a can was such a novel idea. And now vodka seltzer in a can is so normal in America. Let's crack one open. Yeah, the pre-made cocktail thing has been going on in England for a while. Yeah. And like... England is obviously such a drinking culture mm-hmm. that it's no surprise that they came up with the portable GNT yeah. before we did. I was like, I, remember, I, love I remember thinking in that's genius. I, I remember just have it in a can. In ready college, to when I was a freshman and I was friends with a bunch of seniors, and they all lived off campus and were 22 years old, so like mm-hmm. they had a bottle of gin at their mm-hmm. house and they like had tonics and stuff. I remember I used to go over there before we'd go to parties, and I would make. G&Ts in the little Schweppes bottles. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. And then we could each take one of those little nice. Schweppes bottles, a portable G&T you to are a party. Tonic. <laughs> you are a tonic. Oh, yeah. Who says that to her? Kristen Scott Thomas. It's a shame you that we never really incorporated that private joke that we have publicly on the podcast because it's the perfect, again, threading well, of the what needle. what a tonic. What a tonic. What a tonic. If no you one will ever know what that joke is. I'll explain you'll it tell now. Us, you'll tell everybody if right you, now. If you, if you watch... Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, now on Netflix, the Bill Maher episode, he is telling telling Jerry the benefits of drinking water. (laughs) Such a tonic. Such a tonic. (laughs) Literally, that's what it is. Literally, it's 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 water. water. (laughs) It's water. Water. It's water. Jerry, you got to drink water. You got to try water, baby. You, you got, got it. You know what I've tried true. recently? Water. water. I'm it is a tonic. <laughs> Bill Maher would be someone who authoritatively would man speak water. Would mansplain water to someone? Credit, but being like it's such a stoner thought because mm-hmm. I think Bill Maher like transcends being a stoner to just be true. A, not a great person. True. We can't end on that. So, um, so Lana Del Rey, uh, Thomas. Okay. Uh, whatever. Let's just say about. female names we respect. <laughs> Kristen Scott Thomas. Shelly Mrs. Duvall. Danvers. Phoebe Waller Bridge. <laughs> Phoebe should play the second Ida Mrs. Lupino. DeWinter what? in the new Rebecca. Who should? Sorry. Phoebe should play yes. the new yes. Mrs. DeWinter. And because Kristen Scott Thomas is playing Danny. <gasps> I don't think uh, Max has been announced. <gasps> Who would, who's like the. Striking British man. It would be Tom. like Tom Hiddleston. That's if we came to that at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. I've, I've done it. Cast me as something. Give me money. I've cast your movie. You can play Mrs. Danvers. That's Kristen Scott Thomas. I'm saying that you get to... Do... I'll, I want to play... I'm saying that she's being kicked off the project. No, I want to play... Uh, <laughs> me! The gay cousin. Oh, John. What's his name? Oh, Rebecca. <laughs> Where have you been on my lap, John? Oh, yeah. Oh. No, what's his name? George Sanders. Oh, yeah. I love him. Mm-hmm. Gotta get your painting up on the wall. <laughs> this one's a little dusty. If you ask me. No, don't do it there. Yes. 
Don't do it there. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.